0: All right. So this is episode number 51 of the Wabi Sabi podcast. And today we have the most special podcast we've ever done because I am joined by two of my best friends. I can't believe that we're doing this. We planned it last week and we said, you know, we said Monday was good to do this because we had enough time to all sit and think about what we want to really bring to the table. Um, As we know, the events in American culture right now are affecting each of us. Whether it's COVID or civil rights, we each have a place in the US, as this is the country where people come to express, to be free, to live out their dreams. And right now, we are a disappointment. That is how I view this. A lot of these thoughts that we're gonna talk about today on the podcast are tough, they are not easy to discuss, and I would like for you to have an open mind and to give the three of us grace during this podcast. This isn't a podcast where we wanna hear bashing or shit-talking. This is a very special and safe place for the three of us to express what's happening in our lives so that we can help others and create some kind of clarity And maybe we can even bring some sort of alleviation of pain of sorts. So I'm gonna introduce Janelle Hamilton and Barry Parasram. The three of us have been best friends for about 10 years now. Um, And I met them both separately in New York City. They didn't know each other before either. So I'll start first with, I think I met Barry first. Yes, okay. (laughs) so I'm going to leave the the mic here sorry guys this is a real time thing you guys can hear me cool okay okay. so the first thing um, Barry and I met 10 years ago because I was friends with one of his friends and we were partying one night and Barry showed up like late night and I was like who's this guy I had just moved to New York I had no friends and I realized that I had met somebody who had the allure, like the special sauce, and that was Barry Karasram. So uh, Barry and I became friends on our own after this. And I've seen Barry go from a publicist, you know, for some of the top celebs in New York City to the head of managing the NBA to becoming a stellar superstar agent at my agency. And beneath all of that the most important thing was that we always had integrity clout and we supported each other he was at every book launch party he was at every release party he came to support me and he said goodbye to me at my going away party he is the only man that i have ever met that i cried while i watched him walk down the aisle (laughs) that's a real story so barry why don't you tell us a little bit about your background your story, your heritage, and the business. Because the most important part about Janelle and Barry that I want everybody to know is they are the front line of communications when it comes to U.S. media.
1: Cool. Well, a first, um, it's an honor. It's uh, it's it's simply amazing to to be part uh, of this, uh, Candice and Janelle. Um, thank you again, Candice, for giving us uh, or letting us be part of your platform uh, to share, you know, our, our story, especially during this very turbulent time that we're all um, living in uh, and and dealing with. And I think we need to be able to share our experiences um, uh, from both our past, our present and future um, for us to hopefully have a better future um, moving forward. Um, But first and foremost, uh, the way that Candace and I met was, It was it was written out of a rom com um, because she was she was dating she was on a blind date with one of my good friends and him calling me up saying like I think you might you two might get along and I'm like the only way I'm coming is if I'm getting free drinks for the rest of the night Uh, so I uh, I joined and and I think you know it's the proof's in the pudding that um, that night was awesome that with all three of us got to hang out. One me being a, a black Trinity kid and and uh, you know uh, Candace being being half Japanese, my friend who's straight up white guy from Connecticut. So just even having three people from all different parts of the world and all different backgrounds to um, just have a good time and, you know see color but not let color. Um, define who they are is so amazing. Um, And that's why we have this friendship here today and for the rest of our lives, Um, you know, God willingly, everything. Um, But, you know, I have been now a PR professional for about 14 years, which is kind of crazy to say because it kind of now – Ages me a little bit (laughs) because I don't feel that that I've been doing this for 14 years. I just always constantly want to grow and learn. But started off as a celebrity publicist, um, you know, then went into fashion PR. And then um, I think the really height of my career has been doing PR um, at the NBA, uh, which has been an amazing experience. And then just recently moved over to a talent agency and doing the head of sports PR there. Um, But I'm always constantly learning. And, and hopefully making um, and, and contributing to these companies in a very impactful way and bringing a new perspective, um, because I think we're here to talk about race. And the, th- the sad thing is, is that I walk into every meeting and I am the only um, minority in that meeting. And. And it, 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 you know, my wife even asked me, she's like, so how did the meeting goes? And I am like, like, it's great, but you're always, I'm always the token person to give that point of view. Um, so am I supposed to co-sign um, why Russell Westbrook is wearing an outfit because it's cool? Um, you know, because we look alike, we share the same skin complexion, um, or are you allowed to understand why Melo puts up three on his, on the side of his head, because I have to give some type of understanding of what that means on the schoolyard basketball court. You know, it is, it's obviously, I'm coming from a different perspective, but at the same time, should I be the only person in that room? To give that okay, that everyone should be okay with it, um, it hurts. Um, it hurts, but at the same time, I know that I'm hopefully paving the way for another person to be in that room with with me being there, and others to 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 move forward in in that. So, um, you know, I'm just glad to just be here and to to share this um, virtual. Uh, meeting between two also strong and amazing women um, that have their stories to tell um, as well. So let me pass the mic to, uh, to to Janelle.
0: Thanks, Barry. So Janelle, tell us a little bit about your background as well. Oh, wait, i we supposed to how talk about met? how we first met. Oh, my God. Okay, so we, <laughs> Barry's red cap, here we go. The party (laughs) nights. Okay, so Janelle and I were lucky enough to meet for a girlfriend, Molly Lovin, who was formerly Molly Magoose. And Janelle and Molly worked PR together. And it was so nice to see women of color, women of diversity, men of diversity. When I moved to New York City, it was like ride or die, like you met your crew early on. And somehow the three of us, between all of our friend groups, and including a few other people like Julie, Molly, Alyssa, Strand, we all stayed together because I feel like we had a common denominator that we all worked extremely hard to get to where we are on our own. And so Janelle and I met, I think it was at one of our girlfriend gatherings.
2: Yeah, it and, was it someone's house party.
0: Yeah, I think it in was Allison Berkeley's house party. And you were so cool, because you were like, wow, I really like you. We should hang out outside and talk, you know, shop. And Janelle did the right thing and started reaching out, sending cool products like to test out. Remember, wasn't it called like Truth Art Beauty? That beauty Oh
2: my God. Yes. That was like one of my first independent clients. Yeah. Yes.
0: So you started sending me those products and I was like, this is so cool. Janelle helped me through a really rough time where there were a couple of TV shows that like to exploit people and make them into people that they weren't, which is still happening to this day. And it, it truly is, it's just a, a really inaccurate depiction of somebody who's trying to make a difference in this world. Janelle and I have traveled all over the world together. We were on a cruise ship through a Category 2 or 3 storm.
2: 3. <laughs> Hurricane.
0: Oh, and... Hurricane Sandy. So not only were we on a cruise ship together through a storm, but we survived Hurricane Sandy together. It was Janelle and I, no power, no Wi-Fi, no, no electricity, no running water, just two girls stuck in my apartment going like this. So we grabbed our shit, and we walked 60 fucking blocks to Molly's house. And when we got there, I'm 60 blocks as far, right, you guys? so far okay then we got to molly's house and we got into a huge fight because that's what sisters do and molly was like you guys my neighbors are going to hear this (laughs) janelle's house was flooded what else happened during that that i was
2: separated from my daughter because obviously she was in new jersey it was just a lot was going on then obviously we're trying to work and do our jobs and it's just like it was it was it was a learning experience let's just say that
0: we slept on molly's floor together in her studio apartment there were like four of you in her bed carly molly lily and you i slept on the floor in the kitchen and then (laughs) remember like we had you know press was canceled shoots were canceled we had nothing it was weird that downtown was all dark and uptown was all light but janelle has been a tried and true friend we both dated many we had boyfriends and we didn't we had fiancés then we didn't not me but you and then, and then we had these experiences with different groups of people that were tied to our lives and our work and what i love about barry and janelle is they both have a name for themselves that they created on their own they did not get help from anyone barry is a kid from queens janelle moved here on her own from the uk and we all kind of made it because we were gritty like that. Like, that's the kind of work that we love to do. So, Janelle, tell us a little bit about the development of your career, and then I want to get into the background of where you are both from lineage-wise.
2: Yeah, so obviously, I am originally from London, if you can tell a little bit from the accent that's lost, but... Um, I've been doing PR ever since I graduated from school. So I've been doing it for like 19 years. And like, ugh, I feel it sounds so old. <laughs> <laughs> I did not escape. Yeah, it's like the mafia. Once you get into PR, it's hard to get out. But like, <laughs> I've been doing it for so long now. But yeah, no, I started in the UK in fashion PR for Carla Otto. And then I moved to New York. And I switched over to beauty PR and I worked in different agencies which obviously I'm going to share my experience as a black woman Um, and not just a black woman but as a black woman from Europe like my perception of race and how we deal with things is completely different to in America so you know we'll get into that later but this is like a a very shocking eye-opening thing for me what's going on right now the current climate because I didn't experience that growing up I've never seen it until I came to this country so We'll get into that a little bit later. But um, yes, yeah, so I worked at many different agencies. I, you know, freelanced for like Tom Ford Beauty and Estee Lauder, traveled the world, met princesses, celebrities, all that stuff. And then 10 years ago, I decided that I wanted to do my own thing. So I started my own PR consultancy. And, you know, I just started with one client. And, you know, Barry can contest this. Like in PR, like usually you are like campaign for like a client, like through like a RFP. You know, to so like bid for different clients and accounts, but I've never done that. Like everything has come to me through referral because people have been impressed by my work. Every single major, you know, company and client that I've worked with. So I represent like Bob Mackie, Mented Cosmetics, Black Opal Beauty. Um, I've done the Shorty Awards. Um, partake food, like so many stuff and like you know I'm quite lucky where I'm at a stage in my life and career where I can pick and choose who I work with and right now I primarily focus on working with brands that are black owned or minority owned because I have this experience of like two decades in the industry I have you know high level media contacts and producer contacts and I want to give them the opportunity that they may not have so it gives me for a purpose when I get up in the morning to, to be able to help these brands. Um, and then obviously I get to do some fun stuff with Bob Mackey, like the Met Gala and all the kind of glamour stuff. So it's like a balance of the two. But Bob Mackey was also a pioneer, you know, like he's worked with some of the top celebrities, the African-American, you know, the, the Jackson Five, Michael Jackson, Tina Turner, just anyone you can name. And um, he was an advocate for African-Americans from the start when many people didn't want to work with them. So, you know, we have a lot of synergy there, um, which is why I love him so much. He's more like a friend now. We've been working together for like nine years. But um, so, yes, that's where I am. So I just want to bring a sense of purpose to my life. And I've never really been um, motivated by money. And I think you're the same, Candice, too. Like, I've never been motivated by money. Like, I just wanted to do something that made me happy. I wanted to do something with integrity. And... um, and yeah, and like I'm in a position to be able to do that. So um, that's me. And I'll hand it over to Candace again.
0: I'm so proud of you too. Like, I, I really, I love who you are as people. And so I didn't want to like tell people like two of my close friends are black. I don't think that matters. But I just, I'm so proud of you too. Thank you for, um, for just taking time to do this. It wouldn't have come from anybody better, to be honest, because you're, you're both the front line and you're full of integrity. And I love you both because you're graceful too. I've seen bad things happen to all three of us. And you never, you never complain, you know? You don't talk shit. We talk things through, we discuss things, And then we talk about how important it is to stay positive and keep it moving, you know, and that's what we do. And ride or die, the three of us are living in moral integrity also, which if people, if you guys don't know what that means, it means you fucking walk the walk and talk the talk. The three of us would rather all be off of Instagram if we had a choice also. It's not a platform that we want to be on. It's a platform we have to be on. So think about that when you're choosing to follow privileged people and look at their story and where they come from. So that's a perfect segue to where I want to get to now. So Barry, I want to talk to you about growing up as a kid in Queens, what life was like in New York, and I want you to tell me how you're doing and sort of give us a little bit of a story because Janelle and I love you and and I know people are going to want to hear where you both came from. What made
1: you who you are oh that's 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 a loaded question no um but uh you know, I am a kid from queens the the first and for the first and foremost thing that I always say is that um you know i i i bleed I bleed the the New York streets I spit concrete um because New York is everything that has made me me. Um, you know, from, you know, living in Forest Hills, Queens, which, you know, thankfully enough was a very diverse um, neighborhood. Um, And, you know, went to, you you know, from PS 139 from elementary school to Russell Sage, to Forest Hills high school, playing varsity for basketball there, but playing late nights in the schoolyard. Um, But it was with kids that were, Black, white, Jewish, Asian, Hispanic. So you know, we we had the pleasure of learning and experiencing the streets of Queens from different points of view, and, and that kind of helped me um, keep an open mindset of what was going to happen as I become more and more of an adult. Um, and, and I think my first, my my couple of awakenings that happened when I started realizing that I that my skin color did matter was when I would get more offhanded comments. Um, you know, when you start dating, people are starting to wanting to know like, so what's your background? Because um, you don't look black, but you, but you, are you white? But are you Hispanic and everything? And I remember the first time I was called was uh, was an Oreo, and I was just is an oreo i'm like do i taste like an oreo like it's like and 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 then like i had to actually figure it out that you know they thought that i was you know either half black and half white um and i was just like that well that sucks um because i'm much more than that you know they they didn't they didn't just ask me who like you know my background they they assumed what i was um and, and my lineage is quite um of a gumbo. Um, you know, my parents are are originally from Trinidad in the Caribbean. Um, but then, you know, my, my father, his, his father, my grandfather is Indian from India. That's why my last name is Paris Ram. Um, and then his, uh, then my grandmother, um, his mother is half Chinese and half Venezuelan. And then on my mom's side is, um, you know, Arawaks Indian, which is the native Indians of Trinidad. And my grandfather is uh, Portuguese, but he's white Portuguese. So, um, you know, when you, when you see our um, family photos, you sometimes don't realize that they're all family. Um, You're just like, who are all these people? I'm like, oh, they're just people that just randomly met together. And that's the crazy thing is that, you know, in outside of America, you know, there is this sense of diversity, and that people come from different places, and there is a mixture of people because, you know, uh, you, the, the harsh reality is there's this thing called the slave trade, and, and that's why a lot of people did get mixed up, and that's why people met other people from other countries because of this thing called the slave trade, which is, is an unfortunate curse on this whole entire world. Um, but it, it, it never, what was never given to kids growing up is to understand that people are different and that you're not just black and white. You can be much more than that. Um, And, and I think the, the, the second harsh reality of realizing that my skin color meant, meant something in the world that we live in was that we were um, in high school, just got my license, had a beautiful, you know, black and white um, Jeep Wrangler and was out with friends and everything and it was my first time ever getting pulled over by a cop um and it was in my na- own neighborhood um which nothing happens in my neighborhood but the the cop saw that i was the driver and i had three white friends with me but they w- still wanted to harass us because they were like so what are you guys doing and i was just like Well, we're going to go to the movies like that was the biggest big event of the night. And I asked the cop why he pulled me over and he couldn't really give me a a real uh, reason because my parents told me that I should ask why you get pulled over because they told me that you will be pulled over. Um, And I was just like, but why am I going to get pulled over? If I break the light, if I break the rules, like I understand being pulled over. And then the cop came up and said, you know what? You did not make a signal out of a parking spot. And I said, how many times have he's done pulled over someone for that? Um, And, you know, it was an unsettling moment, but... I think what you're always told as well is to swallow your pride and don't make a fuss because you don't want to go to jail and, 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 and keep it moving. Um, But you, now you, you know, I think these are the haunting past of little injustice that probably have happened to all of us in different ways. And uh, you know, we could definitely go go more into um, the other things that I've, have experienced um later when we when when we talk but i think that has made me a little bit more persevere through all of this um because of having the the support and the knowledge that you know what i am going to be treated differently and i'm going to be looked at differently um in every every setting um and that that happens all the time and but now i think given the situation of where our country is um, people can now have a better understanding. And it also allows me to share those experiences because I don't think I ever would um, because everyone's kind of, you know, writes it off saying like, Oh, okay. Your life is exactly my life or it's whatever you see on social media.
0: Hell no, it's not. And that's something we got to tell people. What you see on social is so Distorted. It it makes us frustrated because we're like, I just straight up went off of it because I was like, I I can't. I'm like nobody has anything. Nobody has anything to say except everything to do with listening right now, which is why this podcast. I know a lot of you listening are Audible listeners. I know I am. I love reading books on tape. Technically, I'm not reading. It's Audible, but I'm loving these stories because. Barry and Janelle, you're not alone, and there are a lot of people that listen to this podcast and they shake their head the entire time they're listening because they're like, yes, I've experienced the same things. We don't share our tough stories and the stories that made us who we are, we'll never be able to connect the dots and help each other to thrive. So thanks for sharing, Barry, and I wanna get back to these tough stories. How are you feeling? Right now, um,
1: I think my, my when, when this all first um, kind of popped off in, in a sense was that we, we, we obviously were trying to make sense of A, a pandemic um, and then also uh, a financial crisis that, that affected us uh, all and our family and checking in with everyone. But I think then this really hit home even more uh, because you just saw this, um, you know, I guess like pot that was boiling and there was a lid on it for so long and now you're forced to recognize that it will explode um, and it has exploded. and you know, people have taken to the streets, people have joined and united together you know, your white friends, your Hispanic friends, your Asian friends, you know, have reached out. Some probably maybe have not because they don't know what to say or how or they're feeling uncomfortable as well. But it is bringing so much light and magnifying what this country has been going through for hundreds of years. I think the bad thing, the thing that people are thinking is that George Floyd. And um, the gentleman, Aubrey, from down south, and the woman that called the cops on, the gentleman that was, you know, bird watching were, were the three catalysts to it. I don't think it was that case. It was hundreds of years of injustice and slavery and segregation and the civil rights. All of these things have helped push this and made it the moment that we, we need now. And how I feel, I, I'm exhausted um I, I i i'm also my mind is clouded uh i i, I can't really think very very clearly because I, I i'm a watching what people are doing but o- o- on social on tv in my neighborhood um and right now my my soul is is heavy like i and you both know me and um and I, I'm a pretty, pretty much mindful person and like to think about things positively positive and, and, and enjoy life and embrace the blessings that we have. But right now it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to juggle what is all going on, what's personally going on. Um, and also be also to, to educate my wife. Um, my wife's a, you know, a a white jewish woman and i love her and i it's happened that she tends to be white and jewish she's but to me she's just my wife but she needs she wants to understand and i it's, it's been hard for me to communicate that because i'm still trying to understand i'm trying to to be able to to share how i feel and to make her and to help her understand what is going on around it. And, and that goes along with, um, her family, you know, and, um, I guess the, the other part of the reason why the person who I am is because I was brought up by three amazing, um, women in my life. And that was my mom, my grandmother and my aunt. And unfortunately all three of them are no longer here. Um, but they instilled such, um, great qualities of who i need to be um to also represent our last name and their legacy and so you know it's it's all of those things i i was saying to my wife i was like in a weird way i'm glad that they're not here to see all of these things that are happening in this world it's not fair to them it's not fair to any of us that are that are here and hopefully as we move to get a new reality is that it's pushing us to be better humans to each other.
0: Wow. Barry, thanks for for sharing that. I know you're still processing, which is why there's exhaustion, confusion, anger, sadness. And that's why you're both, here today is, you know, let's talk this through and see how we can help. And totally agreed that you, you both work with positivity and you understand the role that you were given, which is a clear, clear communicator in the front line of media in the U.S. And you're both from different backgrounds where we look different. You know, this is This is the part of America that I wanted us to share is like, what makes us American is that we come from all different walks of life and we're supposed to be on the same playing field and the same team, but that hasn't been happening. And you're absolutely right. It's a 400-year-old problem. A lot of it is induced also by incarceration of Black men, criminal laws. You taught me about watching the 13th which is a great form of actionable advice that we'll give to all of you towards the end of the podcast so you can learn more about the history of this country. Nothing makes sense without the roots, the lineage, and the history of your cellular upbringing. So I want you guys to know that where you come from makes you who you are, and that's why we're talking about this today. Um, Thank you, Barry. Janelle, how has this affected you as a mother, as a American that came from the UK? So you're technically British, but your daughter's American. And we should preface that Janelle and I both work between LA and New York, and as does Barry and Barry's in Brooklyn, and Janelle and I are in Los Angeles right now. So we're always in the Mecca and the hub of where shit's going down. And yet, we're not going to focus on that. Like we tend to all focus on like, well, what can we do to help? So Janelle, tell us a little bit about your history of your lineage, which is so wonderful and beautiful and how you're really feeling right now about what's been happening.
2: Yeah. So I'm also, my family's also from the Caribbean. Um, so they're Jamaican. So in on my mom's side, um, both my Parents are from both my grandparents. Sorry, were from Jamaica, and then they immigrated to the UK in the fifties on a boat called the Windrush so it took them over. That's why a lot of um, uh, that's how a lot of Caribbean people ended up there because obviously Jamaica was part of the British colony, and then after the World War, they need, the country had been bombed and it was just a mess, and there was no one to do the job, so they recruited. Um, people from the Caribbean and asked them if they wanted to start a new life in the UK. And they obviously had no idea what it was. I mean, my grandparents were like, but we came over there and we didn't know it was cold. We just thought it was gonna be hot like in Jamaica. They had no coats. They came with like a little shirt and then they got off the boat and it was like freezing, you know, so they would never seen snow in their life. They were just like shocked they were young. So, my, um, yeah, so my mom's side, my grandparents were married and they had kids and they came over and continued to have kids. And then um, my dad's side, my grandfather came over. He was young, but single. So he came over um, and again, he was in shock. And he they didn't really know racism in the same way, because obviously it's a Caribbean black island. And now they were introduced to, you know, this land of opportunity, supposedly. And, you know, there was the signs of, like, no blacks, no dogs, and no Irish is what was in the UK at the time. So they put us on the same level as dogs. <laughs> um, so they were just shocked, you know. They had lived, like, a you know peaceful, nice life in Jamaica. And then they started, like, getting, like, racist threats and just having a horrendous time. So my granddad, obviously, he came over as a single black man. And then, like, it was a lot of, like, religious families from the caribbean so you know the parents were pretty strict with the black girl so there was not really anyone who he could date so of course like when you're out and about like he was meeting like a lot of white women so he met my grandmother which is my dad's mom and she was white i think she's like spanish heritage i'm not 100% sure but um so they you know had a situation and then like they got pregnant with my father and um it was just a very way like her family was racist obviously like you know she's having a kid out of wedlock And I posted a picture on like social media of the three of them. And it's like, I still have questions. Like I want to speak to my granddad about like how this picture came to be because they weren't really together, like in a relationship per se. But then there's a picture of them holding my dad in the fifties where it's hard to be in front of, where did the camera come from? First of all, and like, you know, how are they together? And it was just very confusing to me even now. But um, so I posted that on social media and that was the only picture that they have together. Shortly after, she was just under a lot of pressure from society and her family. And she literally just put my dad on a doorstep and just left him. And he ended up in institutionalized life uh, until he was like 13 years old, a very rough life. And um, one day, like a black woman turned up and it turned out to be my aunt, my Jamaican aunt. And she took him out of the children's home and then he was brought to London and that's where he grew up. So that's um, my background is, of course, so it's three quarters Jamaican and then a quarter white. And, you know, my parents obviously met in the UK and I most of the people in my family are brown. They're not dark skinned, but they're brown, like my brothers and sisters. So I was the lightest one. So my first interaction with race was within my own family. And I was like, but why am I lighter than everybody else? Like I was even lighter than my dad and I'm not even mixed race, like my mom's a black woman. So it was just very confusing to me. And I remember that like going to school, like I would get teased like, you're so light. Like they were like mean to me, the darker kids. So I was like, I've got more racism growing up in England from the people in my own community. So it was very confusing to me. And obviously like I see myself as a black woman, I have black hair and black features. But I just like, couldn't understand that. And um, obviously, as I got older and more sophisticated and traveled, then I saw like, racism outside of like, my community. Um, but I didn't really experience, you know, I'm not a black male, and I'm not a black male in America, so I can't even relate to Barry's struggles. But I would say, like, as someone who grew up in Europe, like, it's different. And someone asked me the other day, like, how is it different? And the only way I can explain it is I would say there's racism in England. So you know that there's like, racist people everywhere. And like, but it's a pretty integrated like way of living, particularly in London. Like, there's not like black neighborhoods, white neighborhoods. Everyone just lives together, like Asia and everything. You just see everyone around. It's very diverse. And obviously, you'll come across a racist every so often, but it's not like a regular occurrence. And of course, there's some police brutality, but they don't have guns. They have batons. It's like different. Like you don't see this kind of a military, op- you know, operation as it comes to controlling like the general population. Where, so there's racism in English, but what's the difference with America is there's racial tension. And that's the only way I can explain it. It's like, not just racism in general, it's like the way people interact, like the way they separate themselves. Like when you walk into a store or a restaurant, like for me, like being in America, like I think that I have the light skin privilege and I'm sure Barry can speak to that too, versus his experience with his black friends. And then also I have an English accent. So when I open my mouth, first of all, people usually can't tell what I'm mixed with and then I open my mouth and I have an English accent. So they automatically treat me in a different way. And you know, as a publicist, like, you know, my name is Hamilton, so it's like Miss Hamilton. So I'm in them and I'm on phone and I'm speaking like with this British accent. And I meet them in person they're like completely shocked. Like they're shocked that someone like say, like a Bob Mackie has like a black publicist. They're like, I mean, there's that, Marika speech is too, I mean, at the Met Gala, I was like the only black person there. Like at every event, I'm pretty much the only black publicist on the carpet. So they're always pretty shocked that, like, that, you know, that my clients have like a black publicist. Um, and I've definitely, you know, we'll get into that more, but experience like um, pushback, racism, you know, I don't know, different things, just being a black publicist in America. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty much my story. But like I said, I'm looking at it through the lens of a woman who's European, black. So it's a completely different experience to black women in America who maybe might be darker skinned and who grew up here but I can only obviously see share like what, you know, what I've been through.
0: Uh, and Janelle, thank you for sharing that. It's your story blew me away when I saw it. And I called Barry and I told him, I was like, you're not going to believe this post. I've never, I've known you forever. And I never knew, I knew your story, but the picture speaks a thousand words, right? It's like, wow, this is seeing like real, true lineage in time, which is why history is so important to talk about. Our parents and our grandparents survived things that are unimaginable to this point in time. And so we have a responsibility, and that is to stop this insane way of living, which is like, it's almost like repeating itself. So we know the definition of insanity is, Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And this time we need to actually, you know, implement the changes to Congress, to the Senate, to, you know, all the bills. We need to vote, we need to petition, and we need to actually do things with public policy to implement change and stop talking about it and posting things on social media like a black square are wonderful, but they may not tip over, yes, to, to actually change. So thank you for sharing that, Janelle, and for, for sharing the, the photo, which is, it, I mean, your grandpa was so handsome, too. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and the
2: way they dressed, they were so cool. Like, all of them in the photo. Even my dad, they're just, like, in the official clothes. I was like, this is amazing. People need to do this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so tell me, J- Janelle, thanks for explaining your grandparents to you, Barry, and Janelle, so people can know where you come from. And I know we all crushed it in New York for the last decade or two. Um, you guys were there longer than I was. So how are you feeling, Janelle, like in this climate? Barry mentioned he's exhausted. He's trying to help Steph, his wife. You know, he, he was raised by these three beautiful black women. And what you said, Barry, was so touching when it came to, you almost are glad that they're not here to see this. And I, I, know, I know what you mean. And we'll get into that, but Janelle, like, tell us about you know being a mother too, and what it's been, what it's been like, like the feelings that you're having.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't answer that before. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, Lily. You know, when I saw the video, I was shocked, and obviously, I'm looking at as a mother, like you've carried your child for nine months. Yeah. I mean, They're doing, no one's perfect, but they're doing the best that they can with their life. And this is the way their life ended under the knee of a white man on the floor, like a dog tied up with three other men standing around on him. Mm -hmm. I was just shocked. Like that visual that like, I just couldn't believe. And the thing was, we had just gone through the Ahmad thing and a hundred million other things, but just recently before that. And I'm like, what is going on? So when I watched the video and it was like the full eight minutes, like a lot of people I know haven't even watched the video. They're like, they just can't. And just hearing him say, mama, I was just like, I was bawling. Like I was just so devastated because all I could think of is my daughter. And it's interesting because when I was pregnant with my daughter, I didn't know what I was having. I just found out when she came out, it could have been a boy or a girl. And I really thought I was carrying a boy. And after watching that video, literally my first thought was, I'm glad I didn't give birth to a black son in America. Like that was the first thing I thought because I was like, I could not. Even now, like when Lily goes down the street and I share this with you, Candice, on the phone, it's like, you know, she's into like the brandy Melville, so she wear like the baggy hoodies and the baggy sweatpants. Like her friends, who you know, white friends, you know, Asian friends, whatever. That's the trend. She's 12. And I have to say to her, you know, Lily, like you have to either wear a hoodie and leggings or you wear like um, the uh, baggy sweats and the tight top. I said, you can't wear both because you could be mistaken as a young black boy. And it's horrible that I have to say that to my daughter. You know, I have to police what she's wearing because I have to, she has to make it clear because we live in Beverly Hills that she is a young female because I think the perception is different. So that's like the sort of force that I have in my head. So just being, if I was a mother of a a black, I would probably wouldn't even let my son go out, you know? So that's the first thing I want to say. And in terms of this, like Barry said, like I have been navigating obviously this COVID situation. So that alone has been stressful and keeping my child educated and entertained at home. And to be honest, like I haven't really like had a full on formal conversation with her, but the only thing I can do like about the actual video, but we obviously talk about race and her father is a mixed race. um, So half white, half black, um new Yorker, born and raised actually he's a very big activist as well so the only way i can make her understand is i put it into the context of him so i'm like you know imagine if your dad came and like you know something happened to so i try and give his face to any situation so she can sort of comprehend it um and and she's like but why she just always says to me but why but why so she's not understanding the concept of race yet but i'm trying to like plant seeds where she can look through the eyes of her father or a policeman looking at her father which makes it relatable for her and i would just say the same as barry Barry, like that your description of how you're feeling right now is exactly the same as mine like i just feel heavy and like i have to show up to be a mother i have to show up you know after the next day after everything's kicking off and this whole time like i still have to show up for myself i have to show up for my daughter i have to show up for my clients and one good motivation for me, is that my clients are majority like black owned. So I'm like, well, I'm being of service to the community. I'm being of service to them. So that's really given me a driving force to sort of get up every day and, and do my job. But it's not easy. It's like, I have to, you know, be on. And you know, Barry, when you work in communication, you have to be on, (laughs) like, you have to show up and be like, hi, like professional. No, 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 that you can't just like pretend like you have to, you know, do what you're doing. And um, so it's been challenging for me. And I literally felt physically and emotionally drained like last week like so much like this weekend I had to like decompress and like unplug for a minute and I actually feel really energized today but I wasn't feeling that too I just woke I went to bed and I slept for hours and hours and I woke up tired like like but how can I be like I've just slept for like 10 hours but I was just like so drained <laughs> from everything but like I said I feel like a lot better this week but it's been very very hard
0: Oh my God. I mean, it it was nice to talk to both of you the last few weeks. Like, I know we check in all the time, pretty much every week. And Janelle and I are accountability partners, Barry, for working out. So we- That's awesome. We talk every day. Yeah, I'm I'm working the buns. I'm sweating it. She calls it, Janelle, what do you call it?
2: Cranking the heat. (laughs)
0: She taught me how to crank the heat. And you two are absolutely right. While this shit was going down, and it's not new, like Barry said, it's always been there. The COVID shit happened, the fucking financial crisis, people losing their jobs, and lots of angry people are out there right now and confused people. And this is a great condo for the three of us to also have, because not only are we friends, but we're peers, we're supporters. And the three of us have worked together in one way or another. For the last decade. So, so I love this because we can talk about corporate America, we can talk about culture in America, and we can talk about being better problem solvers and actionable shit that we can all do. And the three oh. of us are minority frontline media savvy like figureheads where we get called to speak on panels and write the cover lines and the headlines. And, you know, Janelle Gene- just had these amazing pieces. Uh, with the Times, I believe New York Times and LA Times, correct?
2: Yeah, and Wall Street Journal and Forbes. Like, I'm trying mm-hmm. to be like a voice for black women in PR, which we'll get to because awesome. there is none right now. Not at a high level. You get to a certain level and then you're cut out. So I'm like one of the very few handful, maybe five or six that I know of.
0: Oh, we're That's so amazing. proud of you. We really, isn't that like the coolest thing when you get to the age where you do get to pick and choose what you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Because we all were like... Bad girl. Good girl. (laughs) Okay, so moving forward, um, let's get into some tough questions so we can just kind of get them out of the way. I've had a lot of people write to me. I've got specific questions for both of you from many different women of different backgrounds. But the one thing I want to talk about is the climate is so confusing right now. Uh, particularly Caucasian friends don't know what to do. So I want you two to educate us because you've lived through it. You are living in moral integrity, which is why you're my best friends. I could tell you anything at any time and you would never judge me. And the three of us have also been through uh, suppression. Like we've been exactly what Barry said, like you walk into a room and you're the only person of minority and like Chanel. You've been working PR in a predominantly white field. And Barry, you have to represent black men in sports and they come to you for these things. So this is what everybody wants to know. What are Caucasians supposed to do? And I'm gonna separate that from minorities because it it is quite different.
1: You wanna take it, Janelle, first? Ladies first.
2: Sure. I mean, I think it's just, being active in your own way. And not not everyone's comfortable with like marching and protesting, but you can do other things, whether it's like sharing your platforms on social media, whether it's, you know, calling, whether it's signing petitions. I, I think pe- people have seen that um, post that went around where, there was 21 million squares and then only 12 million signatures on the petition against George Floyd's life, the what numbers don't crazy. add up. Are you, why are you putting the square if you're not going to take action? You know, it's like, we're not saying you have to be there protesting and fighting the police and throwing stuff, but just do what you can do. And I would definitely say like, I've had like some, you know, um, white friends that haven't reached out to me and it's kind of made me angry. To be honest, like, I'm, Anne Candace straight away reached out to me. She's been there for me. She's been checking in. And I'm just like, but you push through the awkwardness, push through the uncomfortability to reach out to me because I don't see the color. I really don't. Like, if anything happened to my Jewish friends or my Asian friends, I'd reach out because they're human beings. And I'm like, are you okay? What's going on with you? Do you want to do a Zoom call? It's not an awkwardness. It's just, I'm your friend. So just reach out, you know, and if you, and and I would definitely say like, I don't think people should be reaching out to me about who they should donate to, what they can do. The media, and I know, because I've been getting the, you know, requests from my clients have put a plethora of stories out there of ways that you can take action. Just Google, Google, and then you find what you're comfortable with, how you want to take the action and use your brain and the internet to find out how. It's pretty simple. All the work's being done for you by the media right now. So like, let me process what I'm processing. Let me live my life and show up for work and my daughter and deal with all the anger and emotions and sadness that I'm feeling. And you take your actions and do your bit. That's all you have to do. I'm not saying you have to fight the fight for black people. Fight the fight for humanity. Fight because you're compassionate and you feel something about anyone being hurt. But in this particular case, it's predominantly black males. Like, just take an action. Sign every signature thing that you see being passed around, every petition. That alone is gonna make an impact.
0: Thanks, Janelle. And you're right, it's not a black and white issue. It's a human issue. And we need you to say that out loud to yourself right now if you're listening. It is not a black or white issue. It is a human issue. And that's all this is about, is that when we come together, we're able to achieve so much more greatness when we are equal. Rather than comparing, pulling, pushing, fighting, not necessary. Let the past be the past. Everything is so outdated. It's time to move into the future. So, Barry, talk to us a little bit about when Caucasian friends come to me. I'm not they're coming to me too, because mixed kids are like the future. I know you're laughing, Chanel. mixed kids are the fucking the kid, we are the representation of, um, you know, people look at us like the poster child for like, oh, confusion. You know, like <laughs> it starts, it's true though. It starts in the home. I mean, I grew up so confused and teased for every angle, made fun of. And I think you both know this, like called a chank all through childhood. I'm not even Chinese, but I, but I took it because I look a certain way. Mm-hmm. so and we'll get into cultural appropriation too but after you buried like what do you yeah. what do you want to say
1: you know uh i think for all friends who are white family members that are that are white because you know once again I, you know I'm, I'm married to a, a you know a beautiful white woman who's jewish and it i think the first thing that comes is is educating yourself, because George Floyd's um, death murder um, on tape was definitely the, the straw that broke the camel's back. But to educate yourself that it there was a lot of stuff that happened before George Floyd. This has been a compound of injustice for hundreds of years. A, from the first moment when you know, you, you you take a bunch of individuals from a different country and bring them to another country and then make them your slaves. I think that kind of starts off as like, hey, listen, you will have a problem sooner or later. Um, so I think having an understanding of hundreds of years of slavery and injustice um, it is the first thing to do is to educate yourself. And the one thing I've been doing for for my for my white friends and for just all friends and family is asking them to simply go to google and say how i can be an ally and to be an ally is to educate yourself to understand what's going on and why people are out in the streets and why people are upset why people are angry why are people sad why are people wanting to protest and you know you there's enough places for you to donate and to to have your voices heard, and you don't. To Janelle's point, you don't have to feel like you need to go out there and create a sign and, and to to physically protest because we live in a world that you can simply do stuff in your at your home on your computer, and also just to educate your other friends and family as well. This is you 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 want this to be. You want this understanding to be just like the unfortunate COVID virus. You want it to, that it can be passed and have the understanding that it can be passed by a person to another person say, like, oh, I understand now. Um, and I think that's the whole thing is that no one is understanding what people in, this, in America has gone through for hundreds of years, and what is it like to be in a minority community, to be in a black community, to be in the PJs, to be in the ghettos, and have a I, you know, police officers are there for the civilians, but they are their own gang that just tend to have a uniform. They're just like the Bloods and the Crips and they abuse their power. And unfortunately there, they are, um, there are a lot of bad apples where they just don't like another race and they feel like it's a moneymaker thing. And you saw it in the 13th that the legal and the criminal justice system is its own corporation. It's it's not like it's made there to to be, uh, you know, the balance of justice and, and 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 the good and the bad. No, it's an actual money making machine that keeps this country going for for certain people, and they're all in 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 government leadership roles. And I think when people start understanding that, they can understand what why this is 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 happening um so i think it's to read to educate to to and to reach out to your to your friends of uh, that are that are black that are people of color because they've been going through this ever since and i can understand where janelle is coming from that you 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 are upset and you're maybe disappointed and probably some friends that are not reaching out and you've seen them post that black square and they put up like a black heart and they feel like I'm done. I did my part. Um, and, and, and it's a tough pill to swallow and, you know, hopefully they either get called out or, you know what, they're just part of the, unfortunately part of the problem. Um, and, you know, unfortunately you also can't make them do anything that they don't want to, to do, but you know exactly where your friendship and your relationship lies with them moving forward. Um, because when we all do finally start seeing each other at bars and restaurants and gatherings, you will, I, I bet that there is a list that we all have in the back of our mind of who was there and who wasn't there. And I'm not only talking about friends and family, but I'm talking about professionals in the corporate world and everything because I think there's a lot of corporations and a lot of companies that are jumping on that bandwagon right in their beautiful little statement to say that Black Lives Matter. And you know what? If you get called out and say like, so who, how many Black or minorities are sitting on your executive board, I bet you they're all ready to run away from that situation in 2 seconds cuz they haven't given anyone that opportunity at all. It's a bunch of white gray hair men, maybe some of them got just for men and dyed their hair, but they're 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 all, they're all sitting there at the top and they're nervous, but they're all sitting you know in their in their in their beautiful suburban homes and i think covid as well has shown the injustice of what's happening to the black and minority communities because guess who's the ones that are dying from that are the people that are in the black communities the people that can't run to suburbia and and have their other home that are that's more spacious and that they they can they can Get the COVID test without even, you know, through their private doctor and stuff like that. And that's why you can see the the constant injustice that's happening in this in in this country. Not only from what they're doing, uh, you know, from the police side, but also from the healthcare side and from the financial financial side as well. I don't think twelve hundred dollars is helping any family right now. Um, to get through them not having a job either laid off or furloughed or, or e- even just they can't just go back to work because their restaurant's not open or anything. So I just want people who are listening to this podcast, educate yourself and you, you can do something. It's it, Janelle's point. It's a simple Google search. I, we shouldn't be the, the, the authority to tell you what you need to do. And guess what? your black friend, your minority friend would love to hear from you because that, this is the time that, that really shows your friendship and your relationship with them.
0: I know that this is not easy for either of you. Um, I know how sick you both felt because when people came after Asians, I remember, I remember telling you, Barry, I was sick. I was like, oh my God, I fucking know what this feels like now. It feels sick. Like, it feels like you're going to like walk in circles in your apartment and not know what to do when somebody comes after my mom because they think she's Chinese or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter where they think people are from. People make up narratives in their head about what they want to believe in. And, and I want to believe that a lot of racism and and sort of like, narratives are taught perhaps early on in childhood. So if we're talking about prevention now and moving forward, which I think is pretty important, or just steps that we can take to educate, what would you want to say to somebody who is a teacher, works at an after-school program, volunteers, maybe they're, they're raising children in a predominantly white neighborhood, what could they do to teach their children that the pigmentation of your skin is not important at all?
2: Well, I could definitely speak to that, you know, definitely for, you know, Lily has grown up in affluent neighborhoods. She hasn't had a struggling life. She grew up in Tribeca and then she's moved to Beverly Hills. So she's completely clueless, you know, and like 90 percent, well, more than 98 percent of her friends are Caucasian or um, Asian or Definitely not black. So for even for me, I have to make an effort now. I'm like, okay, like I need to take her out of Beverly Hills and put her in some after school um, clubs and classes outside of Beverly Hills where there's more predominantly black kids because I feel like she needs to be interacting with people of her own race and outside of just white people. And this is my black child. And I feel that parents can easily do that too. You know, they can look at ways that they can start integrating their children because children are so innocent. You know, they, they don't see it. Like when you're a child, you're just like, that's your friend. It's as we get older, these social constructs like change our mind in the way that we view people. But as a kid, you're just like so pure. And um, so like the way to reprogram them, so to speak, or program them when they're very young is to have them seeing and humanizing other races by letting them be around it. And like I said, I'm guilty of that myself just because Lily hasn't even been around that many black kids, you know. So I know that I have to take this simple action to do that and then I think there's lots of resources and stuff which I've even learned about but for white people where they can learn about other cultures and the books and the tapes and different courses and stuff online that they can do um, to teach their kid. and I think it's like the best gift that you can give them because you are going to be interacting with people outside of your race so you need to prepare your child for this Um, and I want to just quickly just say like I should have mentioned but I was in fear to leave my house because after this happened the um the situation with george floyd i normally walk my dog apple at like seven o'clock in the morning is that my phone i'm so sorry um i usually walk my dog apple in the morning because i want to avoid the crowds because of the covid and i walked out of my house in Beverly hills and then i saw a white a truck with two white guys and the guy leaned out and he was like black lives matter but i was scared It was like the first thing I just saw truck, two white guys. And I thought he was going to say like N word or something. And he didn't. And I was like, actually, he was like trying to be supportive. And I'm like, okay, but I was shook. And like, I literally have not been walking Apple my dog in the mornings anymore because literally just I was like well something could, else could have happened and no one would have seen me you know so like there's a lot of fear out there still for a lot of people um and I guess like that was just a big wake-up call for me that like it can happen anywhere so I think yeah integrating our children making them mix with people outside of their race and just using all these resources that are literally available at our fingertips now because people are making a conscious effort to share this information and just finding some things that are appropriate for your child and their age.
0: Okay, so it could be, like, books. It could be yeah. stories, showing the movies.
2: Movies that's not yeah. just got white cast members in it, you know, like, just other films.
0: Yeah. I think it was cool growing up with a mom who was quite, like, so Japanese that she was a little bit clueless also. And my sister and I used to go to the library, and my mom would be like, okay, you can pick out any movie you run. And I was in second grade, so I'm seven years old, and we kept picking Coming to America. It was like a magnet on the wall. So <laughs> when I was seven, my sister and I would watch Eddie Murphy in Arsenio Hall over and over and over. Not like once, like 20 times. And my mom was like, okay, this is great, a culture movie. And she had no idea that we were we were fascinated with black culture in New York, which comes to play later in our lives because my sister's like a heavy hitting businesswoman in, in London who actually speaks out about. Black Lives Matter. And, you know, I've been all over the world now talking about how we need to celebrate our differences. There's a reason why I made a left when everybody was going right. And I was like, well, I'm just going to write about culture because nobody else is. Everybody gives a fuck about how many likes and how many fucking followers they have. And I was like, I guess I'm just going to be poor and happy because that's, that's the real deal. Like there was nobody else doing it. So what about if we're talking about, there's two other groups I want to get to. One is adult, you know, Caucasian adults, like what can they do to learn from, just like we talk about kids. And then the other group is going to be the minorities, like what can the Latinos, the Asians, you know, say you're Native American even, there's a lot of suppression with the Muslim community. I want to know what they can do as well.
1: I think I'll jump in. Um, I think first with uh, older white uh, Caucasians, because um, you know we've also been seeing my my wife's um, parents uh, as well, and you know I think it, it is to kind of also break them out of they're uncomfortable um, because they're not sure what to do. Their 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 daughter married a you know a training guy you know um and obviously they they know that i love her respect her and only want the best for her but now all of a sudden our race together is going to become an issue between us because my experience and her experiences are are not the set not the same so it is an uncomfortable situation for them so actually um you know just two days ago, uh, um, we, you know, we had them watch Just Mercy with um, Michael B. Jordan and uh, and Foxx. I watched that Fog- last night. Ah, you I
0: <laughs> and You know, And I, I, can- man, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, c- I commend um, both Michael B. Jordan and the people behind Just Mercy for um, allowing it to be free um, on all streaming services because it forces people to watch it and to understand it. But it really shows you the injustice. You know, it kind of sums up at the end. It wasn't just about Jamie Foxx's character who was um, imprisoned, uh, you know, falsely imprisoned uh, for, you know, X amount of years, but it was the overall, um, you know, prison system and, and people that were on death row and how you know there was a, a small percentage of them that were that took the guilty plea because they were just scared and they're on death row um and they didn't realize that and they're never going to be able to fight their case because guess what if you have money you have a good lawyer if you don't have money you don't have a good lawyer Um, and, and that's what they had to, that's what it shows you. Um, you know, I think it's still tough, like, and I'm speaking personally for me, um, is that they're, they're, they're still probably uncomfortable of what's going on, um, because it is not probably the most fun dinner conversation, uh, to have. Um, but they understand that this is the reality that, that, that we live in because also, they're in suburban New Jersey in in a predominantly white neighborhood. You know, so even my best friend, who is a, a black New York pol- police officer, literally said to me, Barry, if you guys are out in Jersey, by your, um, don't go anywhere by yourself. Make sure that you're with Stephanie. I'm just like, holy shit, my... Police officer, best friend, who's my best man, who's my best man at my wedding, is scared for my life now because I'm outside of Brooklyn, New York, because a cop could consider me either be a disruptor or a criminal or just want to harass me. And and to have that be my reality of I can't go about doing, going on a jog it, 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 how is that called the land of the free? How is that called the land of opportunity if because of my, my, my pure skin color, not because of who I am or I don't have a criminal record or anything, just literally by the way I look is, is abstaining me from doing something just like any other person would want to do if they're out in suburbia and taking a run or a jog and that really excuse my language fucking sucks um but i think to answer really your your initial question is that we need to make people have to be uncomfortable people are uncomfortable and you, to only to only Push forward and to be uncomfortable in this scenario is to educate yourself, is to have these conversations, and you know you don't necessarily have to agree on everything. But I think the one thing to agree on is that there is injustice that's happening right now.
0: Absolutely, and thanks for sharing. Very the family story um, at your wedding. I first and foremost loved the diversity because it reminds me of my own family. It's the same thing. It's all these whites and all these Asians. And then there's these two kids that look like they're from Hawaii and, and nobody gets it, but it made sense to us, you know, and, and Janelle, your background is the same, you know, and the story of just your skin tone being lighter than the rest of your family is something I know other kids are going to relate to and other girls. Um, and Barry, you're, Steph's parents and Steph and Steph's family, because you know it's funny that I knew Adam and uh, Ariana separately too from writing at Men's Health and at Hearst.
1: Over at Hearst, yeah.
0: So we're all intertwined naturally, and you know, Steph was over at a couple of different outlets that I worked with as well, and I know that we're all family. But they love you so much. I think what Janelle said made sense before, like we're so open-minded that we're almost blind to the hate that people expel and we're not exposed to it all that often so when we are it's kind of it's kind of shocking you know
1: it's sobering i think it is sobering because it is the world that we live in and to quickly jump in i remember um you know, back in my college years with with my other best friend, um, Kenny, who's a white Russian guy, who's awesome and love him to death. But we took a college trip from New York to Penn State, to um, Ohio State and to Michigan State. And we were driving through. And there was this one time where we stopped over at a rest stop. And we walked into a, you know, diner and everything, and everyone was white. But even us just being in there was so uncomfortable that we, we felt unsafe there. And, like, to even have that feeling is so unfortunate that, you know – us living in new york sometimes or in la or in a metropolis um metropolitan area is that we are sometimes in this bubble that the rest of america is so vastly divided and divided because of the way you look it's not even it's it's first divided the way you look and then it's divided by how much you have and that's the thing that really is fucked up with this country um, and it's a, it's a systemic thing that's happening and it needs to change. And hopefully, um, this will keep on pressing on because the thing that I'm nervous about is that this will make noise for the next couple of weeks until we get, a, you know, a guilty charge on, um, those cops, uh, for George Floyd murder. And then, oh, okay, now, you know what? the blacks and the and the America got, got justice. And now we're over and done with now. Everyone can go back to their corners and, and and deal with the the regular injustice that we, that we have. And I pray that, that, that doesn't happen. Um, And that's why I wanted for all those listeners that you posting just a black square um, there's a lot more to be done than that Um, because that doesn't mean shit um it's really about supporting and 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 really advocating for for change what's happening in in america
0: yeah amen to that the actions that we choose to do right now are all cumulative and we know that they will affect us later on for our children and kids kids and and further generations and so we know love is love and love is the only thing that can drive out that darkness and hate and there's a Martin Luther King quote that I often read to myself to remember that if I keep leading with love, as both of you do, I, I know we've all been together as we went on our journeys of, of finding our life partner. You know, that's what best friends do is they, they observe and they watch and they listen. And, you know, you two are so deserving of great love and your children are deserving of that and I know Lily is a mixed kid. I know GFOM. Um, we used, Janelle, I used to call grandma, grandma flaked on me because Janelle and I wanted to go out all the time in New York. And she'd be like, grandma flaked on me GFOM. I can't go out now, (laughs) but we love Lily. You know, she's so tiny when we met and she's so big and beautiful and tall. Like she just grew up She's a mixed kid, you know, she'll always have that. She's just like us. So speaking to the mixed kids and the Latinos, Asians, Muslims, Indian, Native Americans, tell me now, Jewish communities, what do we do for these other minority populations? Like, I want you both to tell us, how can we help the Black community right now so that that fear of berries does not fade away and Barry, that fear is shared with so many other communities as well we don't want this to be another cry we want it to be the change
2: i think they need to join this fight because i feel like if we solve this big which is the world's biggest problem Mm -hmm. which is you know the target of black men you know then it's going to trickle down and help everybody so if we tackle that main problem i think it's going to help every single community because that's going to make the biggest impact So that's why we all have to band together because we can make this change, it's going to help every single person in America. It really will because it's the biggest problem in the the world. And that's why, I don't know if you've seen like reports in England, like they've been going hard, so hard, like the actors and they're knocking down, you know, um, statues and literally protesting. All my friends, white, black, everything, you know, because like I said, it's so diverse. Every single person has been out. They've maybe protested like three or five times each. I just see posts like every single day of them baking action. And they're like, why are you doing this? And like, because America has changed our lives so much because the black culture in America influences the whole entire world. And they're like, we want you to know that we're standing with you. And we have this freedom of speech where the police don't spray tear gas at us. They don't pull out a gun on that because we just don't have that in Europe. So they're like, so we're going to use our powers to help support you. So we all know that like, if we can make an impact in America, it's going to help everybody globally. And that's why it's important for every single race to band together right now. And that's what the focus should be. So how,
0: Janelle, If because you were really good at giving actionable advice, then how can we help? Because I know we're friends, so this was, this was a pleasure and an honor to do. I'm proud of both of you, and I want to share your story. So is it journalists, wake up, go out and write a story, stop fucking you know, Googling shit and go out and meet a black person and interview them or go to the inner city school and volunteer. I vowed to both of you because my father volunteers at the Boys and Girls Club that I would do the same thing this year when we're allowed to. You know, that's an, I want minority kids to see me as a mixed woman in the U.S. and say, it doesn't matter that my mom is Buddhist and my dad's Christian. What matters is they love each other At the end of the day, love conquers all, and we know that. So what are the other actionable things that we can ask minorities to do? Minorities that are suppressed, Hispanics that have been suppressed. You know, we have a leader right now that has not only disappointed everybody, but I'm pretty sure that he just lost his mind. And uh, we need better leadership. Yeah, I mean, I've been following Cory Booker and you know kalamana harris and i think there are other minority leaders we can choose to follow but what can a minority in their community do because they want they want to know and they want to know from both of you i know you don't want to give everybody orders or homework but here's the thing is you can suggest by writing on the wall at least for this podcast because we're a community of doers and we won't make change like Barry said, by going back into our corner, we've got to all be a little bit uncomfortable right now.
1: Yeah, I, I think that you know, you for for all it, it, to Janelle's point is to to go out there and to and to band together because I think you know as we can see, many voices you're you're able to be heard, especially under the the. The unfortunate government system that we are we are all living in um, right now, and, and to vote out those leaders that are not leading that 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 are don't need to be there that you know the the the, the crazy thing is is that your vote does count, um, and it and it's not just for the presidency but your local leaders um, as well, and I think that's the thing that needs to be done, and I think. People are really understanding that it's not just about the big election, um, you know, that comes in the fall for who's the president of this country, but also your 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 officials that are in for your state, for your city, for your, for even just uh, residential. So you know, people need to go out there and really really vote. And I think that's what's scaring a lot of white America as well is that when minorities are finding out that their voice can be heard by the stroke of a pen and and they're, they're taking away their, their power. And that's why the criminal system was, was around. And that's why the 13th amendment is there is that if you are charged with a felony crime, you then don't get the, the, the option to vote. That's why they, they don't, they love locking up um, black men is because you're taking away their voice to vote. And, and, and that's why this, what's happening right now, is becoming more and more of, you're giving people an actionable item to do. You know, the, the protest is one thing, but now going to the polls is going to be um, another thing. And, and, it, and it's just going to happen when you support each other, when you talk to each other, when you share the resources that need to be shared with each other.
0: Agreed. Okay, so we want to make sure by the end of this podcast that everybody is registered to vote, you do research on who your local senators are, and you make sure to vote when, you know, look at your state Mm -hmm. jurisdiction and find out the dates to go out and exercise your right to vote. It's no joke. It makes a difference.
1: And one other thing, sorry, and then just there's now... The Internet and social media. Everyone's making it a lot easier to to sign those petitions and to and, and to sending that to your local leaders. You know, everyone got just like why do I need to call my local leaders? Why do I have to? Now you can just it's a click. It's like literally just like pressing like. It, it you can you can now literally virtually sign a petition. So go out and do that as well.
0: Agreed. And Janelle, tell us, because the three of us thrive off of studies and statistics and the work that we do every day. Tell us again about that dynamic comparison between the black square and the petitions.
2: You mean in terms of like people take actually taking an action? Yeah,
0: the comparison between those two is that's staggering.
2: Oh yeah. There's they said that there's been twenty one million squares went up on Instagram that day and there's only been twelve there's only twelve million people have signed the petition against those cops to be prosecuted so like what are we doing that's why i respect you candace because you you've got a platform of followers who obviously look and read and see everything that you're doing and you could have easily just put the square up there and then posted a few things in their stories and kept it moving but you didn't like you showed up and you're working behind the scenes you're researching you're giving your two friends a voice a platform to share our experiences that can impact people like you're actually taking an action you know you are who you say you are and um and that's what's disappointing like those stats like speak for themselves you know it's disgusting to be honest like the people who are saving faith and a lot of people i know Through friends like who were like influencers, they like, yeah, they were using it to take a break from Instagram. They wanted a break. That's why they did it. Because, you know, because they they were like, they felt that too much information was coming at them. So they put it up to save face, but they didn't really understand what it meant to put the square up. There wasn't really any connection with the reason behind it, which is shocking.
0: You know, can I
1: jump in there now? Because I just wanted to just say, like, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, and for two PR professionals, I think. There was such great intention, but pure execution, and pure um, comprehensive communication of what was what that whole initiative was about. And I pride that you know I'm not trying to denounce the 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 record industry and the people from Atlantic Records to come up with that idea, but it just seemed like it fell really short because. Everyone thought that you just put up a black square, and that means you're supporting this. And I'm taking a break from media, but that actually silenced everyone for that day completely because no one, there was no call to action to what you were supposed to really do. You were like, "Oh, I'm supporting it." Okay, it's just basically clicking like again on something that meant, meant means nothing to you, and you just scrolls through your feed. Yeah. Um, it was it was a great intention but pure execution and you know hopefully things that are moving forward will be thought out a little bit more and that goes again about things that are done at such a high level that they're not really listening to what's happening in the trenches and on the ground where where people are actually seeing the cops or being affected by it. These are by corporate America thinking that like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll look good right now. We'll create a campaign and they won't dig deeper on what, this, what, what our company is really about.
0: Yeah.
2: Go, go ahead, Janelle. Yeah, I think that we also need to know that like, on social media and in the news in general, not to become numb to this because I think so much information has been thrown at every single one of us, no matter what color you are. And uh, we need to, like, say, like, like be aware and, like, still take like Don't be like, oh, I keep seeing the same thing. No, you need to keep seeing it. That's, the, that's why people are posting it. And we need to keep continuing to post things because we can't numb ourselves to what's going on. And I just, like Barry said, I don't want it to end. I want it to be effective. I want actual change to happen this time.
0: So you've both brought up really good notes really thoroughly through you know, children, Caucasian communities that feel uncomfortable, minorities. And now I think um, we have that perfect segue to talk about corporate America, because the three of us work with very large multi-million, in some instances, multi-billion dollar corporations. And the reason why I think it's so important we're having this candid convo is because a lot of what we really want to say, we can't actually say it because people are going to be like, like I wrote that beautiful newsletter and you better believe that there there was somebody who wrote to me about how wrong it was and how all lives matter. And it's like, you know what? They're not coming after whites. They're not kneeling on the neck of a white person for no reason. And at some point you have to point out This is wrong, and the people that can help this movement the most are the Caucasians. You know, there's so much wrong that we. How could you not want to do right? Especially if if you give a shit, you won't just post a black square and walk away from it. And I had a I had a really hard time processing that day. I know you both. We all talked that day, and I asked you both, like, do I do that? And I remember very clearly saying, no, you don't do that, Candace. I, I know you and, and you're so much bigger than that. And I, I thought, well, what can I do that's different? And Janelle, that was the day that I was like, let's do our podcast. And then I said, cause you two need to speak to the world and share your story and your thoughts and educating the public on being black in America. And I also think it's important for people to know if you do not hire minorities, they will be entrapped into this system that we it, it's so dated to and profitable. So a lot of people don't know that the prison systems are owned by public entities that are profiting off of people that have been in prison, incarcerated for drug charges, you know, like selling marijuana. And and that's not okay. That's that needs to be re-looked at and the way that we change this is through public policy, voting and getting better leadership into our federal and, and the gov- at the government level. So if you two could speak on one really important thing about corporate America, like what is a change that you would love to see and do you know any steps to implement that change? So I know the three of us have talked about this, but mostly separately, but on a friend level. So that's why this is sort of like people are getting an insider to like our conversations.
2: What I want to see is corporate companies rolling out five-year plans of how they're going to hire people, what they're going to do to give back to the community. I want to see a five-year plan. I don't want to see I'm going to donate 10 million. No, I want to actually see what you're going to do over the long term. I've seen Aurora, uh, I forgot her last name, but she is the owner of Brother Veals, the shoe line. Uh, uh, she's from Canada, a black woman. She started the 15% pledge where they plan to donate 15% of their money, hire 15% of not, like there's like a whole thing. She literally just started it last week. So she's doing that. I want to see them signing up to that. And I also would love to, to make them accountable every year. So every April or wherever the date is, can you report back what you've done to make a change? Because black people spending power is like some crazy like maybe 20 or 30 times more than any other ethnicity in terms of how much money we spend and consume like our dollar is builds a lot of these companies up so how are you going to give back to us because i think target had pledged 10 million dollars um you know to 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 know to donate to black causes but the chairman himself the ceo makes 21 million dollars a year so that's not even half of his salary so 10, and, and and I think there's some staggering uh, stat like Target makes something like $35 billion a year, and you want to throw Trump change 10 million into the NAACP and other organizations to make, to save face because you know that we spend so much money in your store. So that's not good enough for me. I want to see five year plans. I want you to check in annually to update us on what you've done and roll out a proper plan of how you're going to help communities other than white people to succeed and move forward over the next five to 10 years.
0: That's what I think they need to do. Thanks, Janelle. That's awesome, and I love the accountability.
1: Yeah, and there is there needs to be a lot more accountability, but there also needs to be a lot more opportunities led by other minorities that are inside of these corporations as well. Um, you know, I know that these a lot of these companies are, have either have or are going to build their own you know black organizations so they feel empowered but the only way to really be empowered is giving them opportunities to do things within the company i think there are these false promises that, that these corporations do so they can check the box they build these black or minority um uh, you know, uh, I guess groups so they can feel safe and they can feel like they can talk amongst each other and say like, Oh, you know, I, I, I wish that we can get, you know, an extra day off or, you know, let's, let's celebrate Martin Luther King day. Oh, we'll give you that day off. No, but actually empower them to do things within the company that can actually create change and, 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 and start giving and, you know, I'm all about the right candidate, no matter their skin color, but you have to give them the opportunity to be the right candidate as well. Um, And those are the things that companies need to do and they need to become accountable for instead of these little false promises that they do and they throw and they donate because you know what those donations are? They're tax write-off. And that's what it is. Like these things are donations; they're writing them off. There, it's not like they're not getting back money, or the, the the federal government is saying, "Oh, okay, great, you you did that ten million, no problem. We'll we'll write off what what else is coming next to you." And it's it's the same thing. And I'm going to throw a little COVID in there, but just like how these CEOs and CMOs were saying that I'm not going to take my salary for the year and but yet they they didn't mention that they're not going to take their bonus for the year they didn't mention that they that last year they took home 43 million dollars they they these are all these false promises of what companies do and they're, it's all these smoke and mirrors and that's where i have media The media needs to hold them accountable and need to dig in and do powerful stories about how these corporations are literally enslaved it is becoming enslavement all over again but just another version of it and taking advantage of their of their power it's all these once again white guys with gray hairs and some that we're just for men. It's that all these guys need to be held accountable for, for what they're doing. And, and I must say, I have, I, I give huge kudos to Serena Williams, husband, CEO of Reddit. And because he's obviously directly affected by this because he has a beautiful, powerful black woman, but he, what his quote, what he said in an interview is that, his daughter. He worries about what his daughter is going to say to him when she grows up, and says, "What did you do, Dad, during this?" And for that, and I don't even have a kid, but it gave me chills. And I think that's what a lot of people need to think to themselves during this time: What did you do to to actually create change? Here, did you sit on the sidelines or were you actually sharing your voice sharing experience i'm not asking everyone to you know run out there and throw up your signs and you know give up your job and devote your whole entire time but there is something there that you can do to create change in this time because there's a lot of injustice that's happening to black people to minorities because this this country and unfortunately our government leaders are not taking care of what they're supposed to be taking care of and we cannot trust them
2: people are doing good things i mean i'm hearing good stories like my sister works with affluent um women uh, you know mostly caucasian in the fitness industry and she said that one of her clients shared a story that made her so happy that she it was supposed to be, she's very wealthy has her and has her husband and she was supposed to have this big party for like her 50th birthday party. Like, and obviously COVID that didn't happen. So the husband said, what do you want? Like, whatever you want, like, I'll give it to you. And she said that she gave the money to a black male so he can go through college and she's paying all his fees. So it's like, you do what you can do. People are, you know, I'm not demonizing people who are not black, like people are doing things and you can do it on your level. Just think about what you can do to contribute. You know, I have a decent salary. I make good money. I can donate money, not 50 million or whatever but i'm donating what i can because i'm in a position to do that today and that's how i want to help and i'm signing petitions and i'm doing what i can do i personally can't be on the front lines because i have my daughter and i'm a single mom so i'm saying okay what can you do every day i'm sharing information doing this talk whatever like there is something you can do but i just wanted to highlight that because people are doing amazing things right now and they are stepping out but it's not all doom and gloom like there is some positive things taking place right now
0: good i'm glad that you pointed that out janelle and I hear both of you, Barry and Janelle, on the corporate climate and things that need to change. So one is if you're, you know, a developer, if you're somebody in, in biz development, if you're somebody who implements social change and social good at your company or HR, you really should encourage your company to come up with a five-year plan and to hold your company accountable to that five-year plan, not for a tax write-off, like Barry said, but for the greater good of the community. And like Barry said, what did you do in this time? I often ask people that all the time, every day, though. And I know you guys get that the three of us are always active in our communities. It doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing, how much money we make, or how little we make. It what matters is that we're doing something that feels good. Like Janelle, you represent women of minority with your business and their businesses, which helps to magnify. The beauty of diversity. And if you don't know what else to do, you guys, then one of the things I highly encourage is to start celebrating diversity. Like, stop fucking sitting in your little corner with your comfort. Like, it kind of bugs me because my dad is, you know, he's Polish American and he came here on a boat when he was a kid. But he went out of his comfort zone. You know, he went to Japan to serve in the US military and fell in love with a Japanese woman that is still to this day, proud to be Buddhist. He accepted that she did not want to change for him. And he's still Christian and they will end up wherever they end up in this next life. But in this life, they have decided to say, I support and love you and I support and love you even if we don't agree on the same thing, which religion is a big deal. The color of your skin should not determine the way that you are treated by others. So the next time you go out, I want you guys to think about being kind to anyone of any race and any background, because kindness and empathy and compassion for other people is the only thing that we need right now Like Barry and Janelle said, listen, educate yourself. One of the books that changed my perspective in the food industry that you guys know was this Yes Chef book by Marcus, here we go, (laughs) Samuelson. You know, I interviewed him for his work that he does within Harlem. It's so easy to go and eat, order a meal, You know support a different community and if you if you're in a predominantly white neighborhood i want you to go and do something for others and like janelle said you can make a donation from your home now so i made a donation to the boys and girls club and i i wrote in it this is for barry and janelle you know because they're taking time for me on monday so i'm going to make sure to make a donation for the kids where they learn about racism at an early age but they also just play and grow and thrive together as innocent children. So now that we're winding down to the end of this, and thank you guys for calling out corporate culture, um, we were saying earlier, Barry, that we wanted everybody to become an ally and to truly listen. So let's go through some actionable advice. So people, take your um, notepads out, you guys, and your pens. I want you to write these things down, and they're really easy because the three of us have done them already. Um, but I want you to all take action, because without action, we're not able to actually implement change. So uh, if you could give us a list of some of your favorite resources, movies, books, and or effective forms of action that you believe anyone can do, regardless of their background, race, color, creed, that's what we want to do because that's American.
1: You want to jump in, Chanel? first? Um, I think the first thing is, um, you know, you should definitely connect with uh, people that are different from you um, because it, it it helps you un- understand what's what's going on, um, both racially and culturally, um, so you can gain a, a new knowledge and a, a newfound awareness. Um, you know, there, once again, there is the wonderful thing called Google. So you can always just type in how to, you know, what you should read, what you should watch. Um, there is a slew list of books and, um, movies that you could watch about, um, the, from documentaries to nonfiction to based on, uh, on real events, uh, of, um, either injustice in America, um, amazing authors like angela davis um but as well as um what i think is is really uh, interesting and probably will be a rude awakening for for to, to educate people um and candace i'll uh will we'll send you send you the link is um to understand what your biases are Um, And and there is is a a Harvard bias test that that people can take uh, because we're all built on certain bias or prejudices uh, because of our background, our social and economical, racially and moving forward. Because I think sometimes you also have to understand where they came from and and what made you that way. Um, So I think you also have to start with working with yourself before you can become a better person or a better friend to another person as well um so i think that there's there's a lot of different ways for people to become better um, out of this and i think also just gathering this lovely friendly conversation amongst you know I, I have the pleasure of being the only male here, but these are two amazing women that also have great perspective of, of and helps me understand you know, your guys' point of view. And hopefully my point of view helps you understand being a male and being a black male in America.
2: I'm just gonna focus more on social media on what I think is, a, because it's the easiest place to, for people to connect. There's a guy on there called Sean King. I think it's S-H-A-U-N King. He is like a good source of information. He started with like 1.4 million followers. And now in like a week, he's like at 3.4. So he's been sharing a ton of information about what's going on uh, and positive news too. So he's a good person to follow. And he just launched a uh, project called, the, I think it's called Brass Roots Law. It's a handle that you can um, follow on Instagram. And you can sign up, you, you sign up and you can don't, um, either donate money or your time. Like I signed up for this, like you look at your skills that you can bring, whether you're a good people person, you're a good organizer. So I obviously put, like I do PR and like I'm a good communicator. And then it says like, how much time can you donate? A week and I put like an hour because I know realistically with my life, like for now, that's what I can commit to. So I sign up for an hour and then they're gonna like roll this out now, like ways that people can help ongoing, you know, rather than just talking, like you can actually commit to making change, like you know, for this foreseeable future. And I think he launched it like three or four days ago and it already has 800,000 followers on that handle, so people are um, listening. So he's a really good resource. And I also love what Aurora is doing with the 15% pledge. And that's like 1515 one, and then percent um, spelled out pledge. And that's on the corporate level, of, like making them accountable, you know, over the coming years rather than just donating money, like how they really can implement change to give back and to make a, you know, big impact in the country. So I would say those resources and social media are a really good place to start.
0: That's exciting. I'm proud of you for signing up for that, Janelle. I know how, We know how busy you are. Okay, the movies that I got from both of you, some people are visual and audio learners, so the few that I've seen recently that have really been put up and that we've discussed already are Selma, Just Mercy, and The 13th. Is that good for our list?
1: Okay. Um, I would also say uh, When They See Us, also by uh, Ava DuVernay, okay. um, is, is really great because it, it really uh, – Especially it being in New York, taking place in New York, that's about the Central Park Five. Um, would be and if an oldie but a goodie is uh, do the right thing, because that that's that's basically everything that's happening right now.
0: Okay, and just for fun, I'm always going to throw "Coming to America" in there.
2: <laughs> that's a classic. It needs to be on the list.
0: I I can't. I I wish. I had a fucking video of these two little Asian girls strapped to the TV while the woman's like, your royal penis is clean, your highness. I want to see what our faces look like. They're you guys, they're laughing. Right now you just can't hear because we're on Zoom.
1: Laughing well, really hard about that. I, I think I might watch that tonight.
0: Yeah, why not? And they're in laws. <laughs>
1: exactly
0: and take their their faces on that part um true no truly that was a that was what made me who I am like as a kid like it just I love the culture and you always want to you need to give back to the cultures that gave to you so one other thing we forgot to touch on Barry you brought this up in our friend conversation but I want people to hear it because you worked as a, you were a higher up at the NBA. and We were so proud of you when you got that gig. You helped me to come speak at the NBA. I remember Janelle came with me. You have always, both of you have always been there for all of my book launches and all of the e-news shenanigans I've done. But Barry, I wanted you to talk about the representation where people come to you to ask for things and we know the easier solution is actually hiring more minorities that speak to the culture in which you are representing. So when you talked about being in the room, people yeah. are asking you to okay someone's cultural diversity just because you look like them. I want you to share a little bit of that and how we can change that in American culture.
1: Yeah, um, I guess the story is that me being in communications, um, department, um, I was the, I was at at that given moment where I was there for seven years. So, um, initially I was the only, um, you know, higher up direct level, um, comms person that, you know, dealt with players directly, teams directly, um, as well as our CMO directly. And, had to give okays about, you know, is this is, is this racially okay? Sorry, I'm putting up quotes like people can see me right now, <laughs> but, but um, and because AI look like the players, um, I talk like the players, um, but it's then also in a group of predominantly white people both male and female um it was weirdly an honor because uh, since i was the only voice but why was i the only voice and and i always one of the biggest questions that i always made sure to ask was that have any of you discussed it with any of the players and that was always like oh why would you why would we discuss it with the players i'm like well, they are the actual asset of the league. That's what this league is made, is made out of. Um, so for them not to have that bigger understanding, I think it was just plain ignorance as opposed to not wanting, to, wanting for it to happen, but they need to give opportunities in these departments at the league level as well as the team level. It could, it shouldn't be just that players are there just to shut up and dribble as you know, LeBron, LeBron was told during an interview Um, and they shouldn't be just coaches. They shouldn't be just doing the sport. They should also have a seat at the table or seats at the table from the front office at the, at the, um, at the teams, but also um, at the league. Because then you can actually have an understanding of where these players are, 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 where they're coming from, and finally, I think the NFL is waking up to it. Because you know, their commissioner Roger Goodell is now jumping on that wagging and saying, "Hey, players, we we understand where you're coming from." He does not know understand where they're coming from, but other players understand why Colin Kaepernick took a knee it's not about the flag it was about injustice that was happening in america and unfortunately a white quarterback had to get burned by what he just said drew Brees, about thinking that what is happening right now was all about the flag again and he just and it it was a plain ignorance again and until he got so much backlash he then sent an apology, and guess what? His even teammates said to him, "I I can't I can't play for you if you don't understand what what why this is happening or why we're doing this." And I think that's where we need to have conversation. We cannot make assumption about what another person is going through, and that's where especially these sporting leagues need to have players and people of color in executive positions at the team and league level, because that will help those rich owners understand that there is a bigger thing than just the sport that's happening. Sport is not a sport anymore, it's, it's part of culture. It is part of popular culture, it is part of political culture. It is is no longer about who wins or loses on the field. It's about what you're actually saying to a whole entire community in this country.
0: And these are great talking points, too, very for the Olympic Games coming up that were sadly postponed this year. You know, the athletes need to have more of a voice. They are the front line. You must give it to them. Their representatives cannot be this you know, lineup of people that have no idea what it's like to actually be on that court. So another great resource, I know it did so well during COVID, was watching The Last Dance is sort of seeing this moment captured in time. It was like a beta or a, what do you call it, analog version of the NBA. And it was awesome. Only an older millennial like the three of us would get that fucking life before the the cell phone was amazing 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 i like wish we could go back to it every day but at least you could see the story of these gentlemen and even the you know like steve Kerr when he talks to it's so important of course you always think jordan horace Graham, dennis rodman scotty and a couple of other players but even the white guys like really they meshed so well it was like watching magic and art in life like you got to work together you're not gonna all like the leader and the alpha alpha you're not gonna all get along you're not gonna all agree on shit. i'm not saying that the three of us need to agree on everything either you know that's not what friendship is it's a give and take it's a push and pull I'm saying that when Barry's speaking to all of you and all of you buy tickets to games, you all support, you know, these different sports leagues by just simply watching a game. You have to understand that there are minorities out there that are muted. And then there's guys like Drew Brees who come out and make a statement. You need to be held accountable and you need to be responsible for your actions and your words in this time. So think about what you're doing and what you're saying on social and use Drew Brees or somebody like him as an example of somebody who did not think about what they were about to say. It is so much better for you girls right now to actually listen, take notes, educate yourself, read these. We'll line up some books for you. We'll put out the movies. We'll get you these resources. Barry and Janelle will send them my way. I want you girls to understand the responsibility that you have as an American citizen or as an immigrant in this country from wherever you are. If you have a pulse, then you can be part of this movement and you're, you are welcomed. At the end of the day, I saw people have been shamed left and right on Instagram if they are privileged. I saw people apologizing. I was apologized to four times last week for shit that people did to me that they know is wrong. And it continues. As my mother says, many things are going to happen in your lifetime and it will majority end up being how you handle it. That's what makes you graceful in life. So I thank you two for sharing your story. I know this isn't easy to talk about, but you two... We'll see the light, I promise you. Uh, it's, it's happening, you know? Like, I'm praying that Joe Biden picks an African-American female as his vice, and once again, we'll see. They're, you can't see this, but they're both smiling so big. It will change the course of history. I know, I, I, I hate how you can't hear people laughing all the time on Zoom. Okay, so we're going to put out actionable resources. Barry and Janelle, I need you to send me your list. Make sure that you're very savvy and stern on it because I'm not a person that fucks around. Like, we're the real deal and we need to give the right information. As my mom says, you know, you better give people the correct information and you better not make me embarrassed. I know that you are giving them the correct information, right? You better check it before you go on the Today Show or I'm going to lose my face. So, (laughs) okay, lastly... I wanted us to do something fun, and I don't think I put this in our breakdown because I wanted to throw you a little curveball. I want to end on a note where Janelle said, not all things are bad. There's a lot of good happening right now. And I want you to all know that New York City forced Janelle, Barry, and I to not only become friends, but to support each other and to make this world a better place. and it we did not become friends because of the good times. We became friends because of the bad times and the times where we had to celebrate the shit that got thrown our way and how we overcame that. So I want us to go through one of our favorite memories either together or you know, one-on-one that we have. And I can go first if you guys want me to go first.
2: Do you want our favorite memories of New York or like an event or a bus? Or what do you Yeah
0: like stuff as friends because people need to know as one of the nagasaki survivors said that i interviewed you know last year for this nhk series was become friends with different people from all over the world and that in itself will help everyone to be better closer and to love so let's share some some of our best memories yeah
2: before we're on the spot, I need to think. Of the, you need to start. I don't know. I'm thinking now.
1: Go, oh, Candace. Yeah. Okay. Start a
0: Okay. All oh, right. With Barry, I mean, this one's easy. I was like, hey, I'm like, who's that guy that's like Wayne Brady? And, and let's watch – let's play some boys to men together. And it was the first time that I met Barry. And I was like, and why are you coming over here so late? Like, that is <laughs> – I was like this I didn't know St. Julie told you that, like to come over and meet
2: Candace. I have a memory. When I before I met you, she was like, Do you know what I think Barry and Chris Brown are related? I was like, Are you sure? <laughs> Someone has started a rumour that you were related to Chris Brown.
0: The crazy Oh Is my. Is
1: that God. true? Uh-huh. I yeah, well Candace Well you see that's the whole thing about also just being so mixed race. Is that you're basically every celebrity? Yeah, I'm, am, I'm, am, I'm am everyone from Chris Brown to Tiger Woods to John Legend <laughs> to, to Waybrain. Like, you it's can just Like, it's
2: anything for free.
1: It, 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 exactly. I remember one time I was Craig David when I was in Italy, and I got I <laughs> got a table for for that for that. And they were like, Oh yeah, Craig David. I was just like, and I had to like fake an English accent, and I'm just like, Oh my God. Um, but I think my, my, I think I have so many beautiful memories with, with, with both of you. I think, A, I think it was an honor and so awesome to, to be at the, the NASDAQ and ringing, ringing the bell. Oh, yeah. I think okay. That was super beautiful. Um, I think also doing, being part of so many of Candace's, um, book launches, and for some reason, they always had a torrential downpour. Um, so true. Like, It was like always the summer, but yet it was still downpouring rain. Um, but we all, but I must say, you have to show your. It's about your your friends, and no matter what type of weather it is, they all showed up, even drenched and everything, and everyone stayed until the bitter end. Um. And, and, and you know what, it was, it was a, it was a happy, sad moment when we had to say goodbye to you at, uh, you know, and, and that you were deciding to to leave New York. But I thought, you know, seeing you and, and I think just every moment that I get to just have big conversations with you, either while I'm walking to the train or walking to work um is 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 always something cool and special and uh most of the time stephanie's just like are you on the phone with candace again
0: (laughs) (laughs) no because it's like this is how our conversations go and this is real life you guys this is not this is not us making shit up it'll go like this oh yeah like we have a hbo thing going on and barry's like "Well, who are you working with and i was like selena gomez and he's like Oh yeah, he's like, we work with her on this other project. She's so lovely, her mom and dad are lovely. And it's like normal, you know, it ain't no thing. And Janelle, remember Janelle used to work the front door because I was so poor. I mean, like I didn't have the money for a publicist. Mm -hmm. So Janelle would work the front door for those parties during the experiential downpour. And we would always be like, here we get David Raven." (laughs) 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 And, Barry doesn't know about this one Janelle so it's a pack bar it was parlor oh, everybody, yeah? yeah everybody was there I think it was the launcher cook yourself in you know Strand comes in and he's always there too and he's like staring at me and Janelle talking to Barry and he goes right over to Janelle and he goes Barry has a girlfriend
2: I know, that was the first thing Brad ever, he ever said to me, this, I think you had just started, like, but we're just talking, and that's how I remember, that's why I remember when you two got together, because it was exactly, I think you guys had just started dating around the time, at the parlour. I remember. I always no remember when you, yeah. I always remember when you. And I've just seen like obviously your romance and your relationship bloom. But that was literally the first thing he said to me. Barry's got a girlfriend. I'm like I just said hi. So he had your back. He had Stephanie's back too from day
0: one. He oh, yeah. did, oh, <laughs> and we thought it was so funny too because we're like, why did he just say
1: that? To Jen? <laughs> Completely
2: out of the blue.
1: <laughs> but that was a fun party i'm and it was a packed party jesus christ Do
0: you remember the there was a men's fitness party on a rooftop also and i brought like a squad of girls don't you guys remember it was like a standard um oh i remember that the cool, the alternative standard i don't gotcha. even know if remembers it yeah everybody was there and they're like Candace shows up with like twenty hot friends, like all the time, <laughs> and i was like, no, nothing has changed. I've been doing that since high school. Everybody that knows me knows um, I love, love all the smart, hot.
1: Well, we know. need to, we need to, we need to get a post party uh, ASAP on the books when once all this shit is over.
0: I can't, I can't believe it. And you guys, for the record, Barry said there was this one time where we all got to close NASDAQ together and that was really cool.
2: Yeah. That was but really I agree good.
0: with you. The, the going away party was really sad. You guys were both always instrumental in all of the parties. Um, the torrential downpour for the Belvedere party. The cool thing about Belvedere that you guys don't know is Rodney and Jasmine are both, you know, corporate black leaders at Moa Hennessy. And they gave me an opportunity. And I'll never forget that because they were, that's the key is like, if you just hire more minorities, and particularly minority women, because it's a lot harder for us to get jobs. Totally. That's how we implement change. I don't know how else to get that across to people. If you work at a company that sells Japanese merch? You might want to hire Japanese people. I know, I know you're both laughing right now, but I've had to become, not by choice, but forcefully, I've had to become a cultural advisor because I don't understand how you can take, 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 take from another culture and never give back to the right people that live this So, please don't forget, you guys, like we said, where you come from is so important. And if you come from a place of privilege, honor that space as a gift in knowing that you can help others and it's so easy for you to do. There ain't no shame in helping other people that need you right now. Don't you let that internet shaming affect you. Just do the right thing and listen. Educate, watch, read. Do a lot of observing right now. You do not need to post on social every day or every week. You just need to be a good person and remember the words. What did you do in this time to help create change?
1: That's facts right there.
0: Thank you, Candice.
1: Thank you, Candice. Thank you, Jamal.
2: Thanks, Thank you, Janelle. By the way, you killed it at the NBA because they came out of that whole situation amazing. (laughs) They need you over the NFL now. Um, (laughs) Let's mess up. The office is off the record, Candace. No, no,
0: we got to keep this in because (laughs) both of you and they need to marry Janelle. They need to get a C level office. I mean, we always said Barry was going to be the mayor of New York. Remember?
1: <laughs> oh, you guys! I I I think right right now everybody wants Cuomo. Well, Blasio's still he's still working out himself, but you know, I I I will be the mayor. Cuomo doesn't want
2: to um, run, does he, for any politics? No. No. I,
1: you know, we all we, we I think he has a lot to to chew on. and I think he probably yeah. wants a a, a, a vacation this yeah from this situation. But I'll be a mayor of, of our friendship. And oh, it's yeah. so beautiful to, to, to be part of this. Um, no matter the circumstances, this I think this brought us even closer together.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, and just well. it was and good I, learning about everyone's background, to be honest. I didn't know you were a Trini guy.
1: So <laughs> want, you know? I
2: know, this Caribbean vibe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Stephanie always found it really. She was just like, like when I would speak to like my family members, she's like, hold on, why did you speak that way? <laughs> <laughs> you like know, a <laughs>
2: language.
1: Exactly. It's a whole, even That's though it's cute. still English, like it's a completely different yeah. language.
0: She's such <laughs> a, know? a good girlfriend. She's such a good yeah. wife, you now, but she's such a good girlfriend because Barry's the kind of guy that you, you do have to understand. Like he is a friendly guy. That was part mm. of his job is to mingle, mingle it up and... You know that's the thing is women have to learn to be secure in their exactly. right too. Like you don't
1: have to in your light. You don't have to. No. Do life, but I I want her to be the powerful, awesome woman that she is. Like yeah. The, the, I think the 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 last thing that I want to edge on is that I don't see her as my white Jewish wife. She's my wife. She's
2: wife exactly. Just
1: my wife, and we you know and I, I didn't think about marrying a white Jewish woman like Mm. I wanted to marry a woman that was going to love me and support me and that we can have shared experiences till the rest of rest of our days together and that's it like I wasn't planning on I didn't was saying like oh I have to marry a a Trini girl so she can experience the same exact thing that that I'm going through or that we can go through together I'm like that doesn't mean that she's going to love me Mm. You know, and and I think that's and that and that goes along with friendships. I we we became friends not because of the way we look. It was because that we wanted to learn from each other, and that's basically it. I I like I like different. I don't like same same.
0: Agreed. And if people could celebrate that, then that's one of the easiest actions that you can do is just start loving
2: your ethnic friends even more love on them i agree with you by that i mean i mean or just get some ethnic
1: friends Cause so many people just don't have
0: any <laughs> first
1: <laughs> to do this
2: <list>. because <laughs> i've been you know i think old social media has made me more conscious and i scrolled through people's feed i'm like i literally am your only black friend i'm like okay. oh
1: Oh, yeah, just it's like literally out of like a sitcom. You're like, okay, and there's like it's like straight about <laughs> a it's like, oh, Miranda was the only one to ever have a black experience.
0: Yeah,
1: and they were living in New York. What,
0: Miranda like, like sex
1: in a city? Yes, yes, oh. like that's that
2: there was no black
1: characters in New York. <laughs> <no black> <laughs>
0: We'll talk to them now and be like. By the way, in case you come out with
1: another. Oh, Samantha had a black experience. Stephanie just. Oh
0: yeah, me. she did. She did. And, she did. Got,
1: and then she got she to got fight with a couple of black girls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like, and well, and look at friends. Weren't they living in New York? They didn't meet one black friend. No, not even one.
0: But that's the, that's what I was trying to tell you guys too. Is I've got friends that are coming to me, and I'm like, I'm not. I'm gonna do this podcast because I want my friends that are black in America to talk. I have no place to talk other than the racism that I have faced and having to forcefully write for culture because nobody else was standing up. You know, Kim had the kimono incident with her line last year and cultural appropriation would say, this is wrong. You do not rewrite culture to your profit and greed. You praise the people that come from different places and you learn about that. You know, anthropologists are a beautiful example of somebody who humbly will study other cultures and share for the greater good of community and humanity. But I do think people need to do a little bit more digging since it's never part of the American education curriculum to speak on how awful our system of incarceration is, especially for those who are imprisoned for really low sort of like, you know, drug convictions and things. And also the Japanese that were suppressed in internment camps and the Native Americans that were completely robbed and obliterated at the beginning of this country's history. These are things that not only will help, but they will almost heal that pain that people are feeling right now. It should be a relief to know that our ancestors were part of this and it's a continuation.
1: Yep. You're right. Okay. I think and one last thing I just want to throw out there and I, Candice, I think you were asking us about quotes and stuff and yeah. being, being the, the agent of change. Um, and I would like to end with that. We, we all make choices, but in the end, our choices make us. I think for all your listeners, they need to think about the choices that they're gonna make now because that will not only affect who they're going to be and what the world's gonna be like, but it's also going to be that for their future, of their family, for their kids, um, and for the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, and we will end on that note because I know how busy you two are and my hands on my heart Uh, I am going to say a prayer right now with you both that we pray over this country and for the future of this country and the people of this country and the world and that we find the golden cracks and the beauty in the broken parts of the world right now and that we work on healing together and we come together and we remember the last words of George Floyd That justice should be served and also we must create change to make sure that this doesn't repeat itself again and that we find grace and humility in the process that we all do uncomfortable things right now and that we make sure to think about like barry said the choices that we make every day and if you don't know then we ask god to open the eyes and minds and hearts of everyone out there to ask for help, to listen. And we will always know that education is paramount to the success of anything. So we pray that everyone, especially the underprivileged children in inner city neighborhoods, gets the right information and the right education and the right health care that they need and for anybody who is suffering out there right now, we pray that you heal and you find peace and light. And you can reach out to any of us anytime if you need anything. Um, and whatever you believe in, that's what I always say is a-okay with me. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Amen.
2: Thank you so much,
0: Candace.
1: Thank you, Candace.
2: I'm going to send all that stuff to you now before I forget what I said.
0: Yeah,
1: please.
0: And you guys have a great week. And yeah. I'm going to try to put this recording and podcast tomorrow for Tuesday. So stay tuned, okay?